Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. And I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet's is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Diane Collins, who has written an excellent, very deep and thorough book called Do You Quantum Think? New Thinking That Will Rock Your World. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. It's such a delight to be with you. I'm always interested in, in hearing from my, my guests, for our listeners, how your own journey began and, and what led you to, to write the book. So perhaps you could tell us a bit about that. I'd love to. When I was a teenager, I was quite philosophical, I would say. In fact, my high school yearbook said, future philosopher. <laughs> and um, I, what happened was I started questioning why there seemed to be a discrepancy, a big gap between all the wisdom, all the spiritual wisdom, all the scriptures, all the great accolades about uh, living a high, moral, noble life, and the daily news and the way people actually were with each other. And it struck me particularly, I think, the subject of war, uh, really, <laughs> really bothered me. <laughs> and I used to think, there must be some mistake. You know, how did I land on a planet where people manufactured weaponry to kill one another en masse and then uh, act as though they were good, you know, quote, God-fearing people? And that's what really started me on the journey. And then what I started to do is study a lot of the Eastern wisdom cultures and um, yoga and metaphysics. And later, as I got into university age, I started to investigate and experience a lot of transformational seminars, which were coming uh pretty popular at the time, and, you know, now a way of life. And I really was trying this, that, and the other thing to try to get to how could I possibly make a contribution to this. And what I really decided upon and really concluded, even in my teens, is that at least I could work on myself. At least I could evolve myself. And I realized that the only answer, it seemed to me, was an evolution in consciousness. And even at the time, I wasn't familiar with uh, the spiritual masters who all, of course, ad- admonished us, wake up and, uh, you know, wake up out of the conditioned way that we were stuck in, wake up out of the illusory one-dimensional reality we were living in. And eventually I thought, well, you know, a good, you know, in addition to working on myself, I had this idea, what's the most powerful communications on the planet? 
Like, if you could get a message across to everyone, how would you do it? And to me, at the time, and it still might be, um, you know, of course, we have multidimensional technologies now, communications technologies, but at the time, the, uh, the answer was television. So I had this dream to write a television series that would awaken consciousness as you watch. And the as you watch phrase is key because (laughs) that was my intent. That was my vision. And so I started to actually write something. Now, what happened is I never really went... I wrote about three different treatments. That's a, you know, a premise, TV language for a premise for TV shows. And my family was in the business, so I was a little bit connected. But I got uh, veered off when I met my husband, Alan, who's also my partner in business. And he was a wonderful, gifted is, I should say, coach in having people be successful and having people connect to their vision. And he was said to me, well, you know, I feel like I'm doing okay coaching people, but I don't know where it's going. It isn't going anywhere. So I said, don't worry. (laughs) I'll think of something. I'll write you something. And what happened, and I just want to, you know, cut to this now, is that I had been, of course, investigating, writing about science and spirituality because along the way I came across the Tao of Physics by Fritjof Capra. And I started to put into uh, corporate coaching programs that he would lead. Now we do it in private consulting for visionary leaders that incorporated these these ideas, this level of consciousness. So without going into too much talk about, you know, too much esotericism, uh, metaphysics, even though I love it myself, I wanted to put this into language that could be lived, that people could connect to. Because I know, Peter, that every one of us connects to this when we hear it, connects to the necessity, really, to awaken consciousness now when we hear it because it is lying dormant, at least lying dormant, in every single one of us. So that's really, and eventually that led to uh, the quantum think system of thinking, which is a system of 21 plus 1, as I like to call it, principles, which I put into uh, part 2 of my book. I know you have it. And it's really to say, hey, let's put this all together. You know, we've got, we know about a little subtle energy here, a little metaphysics here, some wisdom over here, cutting-edge science over here and the discoveries. And how do we apply that? How do we actually have that happen? And the first thing was to see it as a total system. 
So just before you, you go on to that, what I would like, there's a couple of things I want to say. Actually, the first one, I was watching a, a wonderful uh, DVD series made by Carmen Bolter recently called The Pyramid Code. And in it, there's a wonderful old Egyptian shaman who has subsequently passed over. I think this is his final message. And he suddenly, in the, right near the end of the DVD series, goes, Wake up! <laughs> it's a wonderful That's moment. Right. It's just exactly what you're, what you're talking about now. But before we go into the quantum think, I think it's important just to, not to spend too much time, but just a little bit of uh, time at getting you to talk about what you talk about in the book as the prevailing worldview of today or the old worldview, because it's really important for people to understand your your approach to working with the old worldview, which is somewhat different to other people. So just, just tell our listeners what you mean by the prevailing worldview. Well, I call it my revelation. What happened was I met... Uh, Dr. Fred Allen Wolf, who a lot of people know because he is in the What the Bleep Down the Rabbit Hole and The Secret and a very, you know, prolific author in writing cutting-edge quantum physics for the layman. And he became a good friend, and, and we used to have these talks, so I said, well, I'm making you my official mentor, Fred. And he uh, pointed out to me that the language what happens is science makes discoveries. For example, the discovery of a quantum leap. And the discovery was that, you know, energy does not move in a smooth, continuous flow, but it bursts in and out <laughs> of existence, it seems like, in leaps, in packets of what I guess Max Planck, the father of uh, quantum physics, called quanta. And, he, and Fred was pointing out to me, and so that word, you know, they coined the word quantum leap, comes into our language, which it did come in around the year 1927, according to what I've researched. And then it starts to filter into our thinking and into our way of being, so that now we refer to that quite every day colloquially to mean a discontinu something discontinuous from the past. So what I, my revelation was, well, when you start to look at how the universe works, the nature of nature, and I'm not a scientist, but <laughs> I'm a scientist of life, but, you know, I think, uh, I think. So it looked very logical that if this is a universe of whole systems, then our thinking also takes place as a system. Well, how does our thinking get to be what it was? Because, you know, the other part of my story <clears throat> was that I also learned as you think, so you become, and I questioned that. Well, if all you had to do was change your thought, to change your world, to change your life, then how come it still looks the way it does? So I realized it's thinking takes place as a system, and that the system is based in the prevailing world view. Very simply, the overarching beliefs, assumptions, ideas about the nature of reality. So what I'm doing is I'm saying, hey, you know, maybe there's really nothing wrong with us. Maybe we have just reached a level of evolution where we meet, need to make this a literal quantum leap in consciousness because 
I realize even those of us who have been on the path, who were sort of born, <laughs> right, being on a path of awakening and ascension and however any of us refer to it, that we're still culturally conditioned by the prevailing worldview, which is the industrial age worldview. Now, that view, which started with classical science in the 17th century, had assumptions, and I would say the main one, well, let's just say what they were. That was the view of reality as the universe is a giant machine, uh, objects are solid, you have to push and pull on them to get something to happen. It's a one-dimensional matter-based world. Physical matter is the only thing that mattered, even though a lot of the scientists of the time we knew were spiritual beings. But they said, you know, it was like something like a declaration. They left the spirit to the church, and it was like only the physical is real. So imagine we grow up in that background context, silent never really spoken, not really acknowledged, but for hundreds of years. And I looked at how did that map on to the way that we think in general. And it's obviously in the physical domain. That is the domain of the ordinary five senses. And uh, all of our institutions are really built around that. So even though... The great traditions, and now the quantum, I'll call it quantum for short, there are other kinds of science, but let's call it quantum science, is saying, no, it's not a matter-based world. It's a consciousness-based world. It's a mind. How I use mind, Peter, in my work is what we hold in awareness, consciousness, and that it's simultaneously, you know, the one, the one consciousness of which we're all not, for lack of better word, part of, you know, infused with aspects of, and also what contracts we know as our individual form of that, our own, what we would call our own mind. So that's, that's going on all the time. So, a mind-based reality in the quantum world, a matter-based reality in the old world. And that was called, technically called, the classical mechanical worldview. Overall, that gave rise to the age of machines, right? Universe, divide it into its parts, figure out what it's made of, and every. And you could predict to control how things work in a cause and effect matter. So when we look at our thinking and we realize in the physical, we look separate from one another and separate from what we would call the external world. Now, in the physical, there is some, you know, there is validity to that. I say it, there are distinctions but no actual separations. So we know it's, it is a unified field. And just, you know, you can experience this just because we're breathing, so we're not seeing the air, but we're never, ever separate from one another or from everything else, as you know. However, our thinking has been shaped 
that way. So just as one simple example, in traditional education, I like to say, until now, because we know that consciousness is changing now, but until now, traditional education, we don't really learn about consciousness. We don't learn about what I consider the natural faculties of mind, the power of observation, what you hold in your awareness with the dynamic of intent. We don't learn to take intuition that access that we have into the non-local field of intelligence. We don't learn about our meditative state and how that is, an act, I consider, a natural aspect of mind, not just a practice, and all about resonance and magnetic attraction. We don't learn that in school. because It makes sense that we don't learn that. We learn about the physical brain. So actually, uh, Diane, we're coming up to our first break. It's actually a good time to break, and we can return to this uh, fascinating topic on our return after this break. Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. Just a reminder to go to my own website, www.petertongue.com, all sorts of information there for you, and also www.myheartcenteredjourney.com, where we have all sorts of other bits and pieces for you, and also the Ambassadors of Light uh, program, which we have a class actually tomorrow evening at 5.30, Thursday evening, and I give a every two weeks an update of what is taking place in the world energetically and astrologically, and I'm just giving you the opportunity to be tuned in from day to day as the changes are happening uh, pretty quickly right now. I have with me today Diane Collins, and we're talking about her book, Do You Quantum Think? And before the break, Diane, you were talking about the, the old world view and the impact that has on, a, on us, but it's also important to, to continue that discussion in terms of 
not discarding the old system, but, but building upon it with the new. So talk to us a bit about that. That is such a great, astute, and important point that you're making, Peter, because, and, and this is really gives an example right now of how, how we're conditioned by that view, because in a, they wanted to predict and control. So in order to predict and control, you would say things would have to be either this way or that way, right? Is energy, is it a particle, is it, is, is it a particle or a wave? So, and of course we know the conclusion was it's both and, right? Both and more. So, you think, how did that map onto thinking? And when we, I start to make the distinction between thinking that's shaped by the old world industrial age view and thinking that we can now condition ourselves, which is the whole point of quantum think, to literally take the leap. It really is an expansion because the classical world view is one system within the overarching system at the edge of knowledge today that we could refer to as the quantum worldview. I'm sure that will continue to evolve as well. So you can see how the mind, the conditioning of that old thinking will say, it'll go to into the immediate either or. Oh, new is good, old is not good. And so you're bringing out the important point that it is an integration and it really is about what I call the art of distinguishing, a new world view of learning, which is one of the quantum thing distinctions, by the way, to bring something into your awareness in the present moment in such a way that you have a transformation in your relationship to it. So when you, this is, this is how we learn this, you know, how do we learn to quantum think? is you make these distinctions. So when we make the overarching distinction, thinking that's shaped by the old world view, which is to learn to analyze, categorize, all of which we needed to, uh, it created all the different disciplines of science and the specialties so that we could uh, really develop them at that level of expertise that needed that dividing up, and at the same time, staying in the both-and consciousness that, that we need to be able to, to live from the integrative view, from the whole systems, holistic and holographic view, so that in our own thinking, in everyday life, in our own selves, that we can instantaneously make a distinction of and a discernment of when our thinking is becoming automatic, right? Classical mechanical, as I say, not meaning to insult anyone, but we've become in many ways automatic in the way that we think or uh, approach something. And to be able to catch that and, and interrupt it and say, oh, that's just you know, the automatic, I call it from science, a term, least action pathway, a least action pathway, the way the energy goes with the least creative effort because it's been that route before. We know that makes neural connections, neural grooves. And we can watch that, interrupt it, 
and create in the moment a new intent. You know, that's quantum thinking. But still, as you're making the point, to be able to see, well, wait, sometimes we do need analysis. Sometimes we do need a step-by-step process that the old worldview thinking has trained us in. Sometimes we need that. However, it's important to not to make the distinction so that we will not be limited by it because now we're in this timeless, spaceless world thanks to our amazing, wonderful technologies. And things are moving so rapidly, and as you're pointing out, the consciousness, the vibration of the planet, and therefore us, is very definitely, right, going to that higher vibrational frequency that we we don't have time to to think in those old ways, to wait until we have all the circumstances lined up in front of us before we make a move. We need to be able to think for a world that has the characteristics of energy and flux, of uncertainty at its very foundation. That's the quantum world. And how do we make that leap? One of the critical questions then is is if if these responses that we normally make are reactive, immediate responses without conscious thought, how do we catch ourselves? How do we find that gap? How do we find the pause when we are responding reactive, or not responding, but reacting to circumstances automatically? How How do we make that pause happen? Well, you, this is, you do, <laughs> well, I have to say it, <laughs> when you read <laughs> Quantum Think, <laughs> when you read the book, and I did want to say something about my book, Do You Quantum Think, New Thinking That Will Rock Your World, you know, part one is called Wake Up, which is why should we quantum think? What's going on in the world? What's the nature of mind? What is a quantum leap in consciousness? What is mastery and what keeps us from it? All of that. And about light. In part two, the, the 21 plus one distinctions. Well, that's the purpose of quantum think. As I am grateful and I would say fortunate to have, to be the vehicle through which this knowledge is coming. How we do it, Peter, is when you start to make these distinctions. For example, the one I just made, least action pathway. And it's actually part of the the chapter Infinite Possibility, that in every moment there is an infinite number of ways that reality can manifest. And I mean even in what we put our attention on. So I like to use the, the metaphor of the Internet because you're always online with all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the sublime, infinitely. So what are you going to put, you know, what are you going to click on? And it's really like that in our own consciousness. And so how does that get narrowed down? That has to do with creating conscious intent. So if you look at, I was going to say, this is part of the the, uh, distinction, infinite possibility. But what gets in the way of us thinking from infinite possibility rather than going, as you say, reacting to 
the obvious options in front of us, or even, I would add to that, even what you can envision or imagine in a given moment in space-time. So you could say, right, that's all what we can see right now, even what you can see in your mind. But we know in the quantum world that we exist in fields of intelligence, energy, awareness. So when you have an intent, you can live in excuse me, the unknowable. You can live in the expectation, the knowing that what solutions, what opportunities are going to arise, you actually cannot see now. So a lot of times we'll have an intent and we have a picture of how that's going to come about. And then if that doesn't happen, we have what you are referring to this automatic reaction, what I call a least action pathway. But in being able to distinguish it as a least action pathway, that that a thought visits. <laughs> Most of the thoughts we have, they're not even ours. They're not chosen by us, what I refer to as the myth of choice. We always have the choice. So when we're in a, that kind of least action pathway reaction, there's no reason to put any meaning on it. As, as immediate as you see it, least action pathway, oh, that's just my least action pathway. That in a, becomes very natural to interrupt it and to return to what you are consciously generating as your intent. And we, we really need an example here, right, because <laughs> it's a little bit abstract. But is this answering your question, Peter, about Absolutely, you... yeah, yeah, no, carry on, yeah, yep. Okay, so, you know, let's say that, and I like to use um, a business meeting example because people can, you know, everyone has one of those at some point in their life. And so you're going into a business meeting, now, I make a distinction between intent and intention, intention being the end goal, right, a, a way of, it could be even almost a course of action, and intent being an activation, a vibrational activation of the field. So in this world of infinite possibility, you know, how does, you know, how do we manifest anything? Well, we create a probability wave field with the creation of our intent. Now, most of the time, <clears throat> without realizing it, we're operating in default intents because we're always holding something vibrational in our being. We're always resonating something. So how, what are we resonating? And it's never just one thing. You know, I say we're like a thousand stringed instruments. So you could have 950 of the strings playing it with the harmonic, you know, and then 50 a little bit off. And that's where we have to, as we go and evolve, as we come along the path, that we need to really be able to make these subtleties. So getting back to the power of intent. So... Intent activates a wave field 
a probability wave field that attracts to it that which is consistent, or let's say in that frequency range, we could say it that way, or just in everyday language, that which is consistent with your intent. And therefore, you narrow, you know, this huge, amazing, infinite possibility world we live in. So you're going into a meeting, and the default, you may have an intention to get into, to have an agreement signed, let's say, by a client. And yet, you're holding in your vibrational field these other 50 cacophonous <laughs> strings to your being. Uh, you could have thoughts like, um, well, she's hard to deal with, or I don't know whether she's going to understand, you know, my, this, what I'm doing is really cutting edge. Suppose she doesn't understand it, or so on and so forth. Any of those thoughts, well, it's important to be able to notice those. Those are the automaticities. Those are the automatic least action pathways. So I like to say they don't mean anything. It's just, as I say, a thought. I say it to the very, very ordinary way. Watch it like a bird flying by the window. You know, we call this in meditation, as you know, in that form of meditation, mindfulness. But you watch these thoughts without any meaning, and you return to your intent. Now, as quantum thinkers, you realize we exist in fields. So this is what I mean by you take the quantum leap. You start to live from the principles rather than looking at them from the more limited, narrow, old world view. And you realize, as we exist in fields, that you can, and I do this all the time, uh, I, perhaps a lot of listeners do, do this all the time. What I'm doing is putting it all together and distinguishing it in our present moment awareness in the book in such a way that it become, becomes more powerful when you have it as a distinction. So you become aware of the thoughts, you create your intent, you realize you're activating a field, a relational field between you and this potential client. And you start to, you know, the ordinary things that we know about creating reality. The intent is always in the present moment, uh, present tense rather. I call it omnipresent tense, where you're creating that this client is, I like to do it in terms of an experience of the client because, and it's a, an experience, as I say, in the relational field. It's for both of us. It's that we're excited. We're ecstatic about the possibility that our new business relationship is making. So, Diane, actually we need to go to our, our second break, which we're going to do now. We'll just continue finishing this story up when we return. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tung. I have with me today Diane Collins, who's written a phenomenally detailed book about do you quantum think? New thinking that will rock your world. So, Diane, perhaps you could, before you continue with the, the finishing off your story, you could just let our listeners know how they can connect with your work and how they can get the book. Great. Uh, you can go to my website to connect with me. That's www.dianecollins.com, and it's Diane with two N's, D-I-A-N-N-E, Collins, spelled C-O-L-L-I-N-S dot com, and you can, uh, you know, sign up for the mailing list, and you'll be notified. My husband and partner and I give a free teleconference twice a month. Uh, I call it Ultimate Study Group for readers of Do You Quantum Think, where, you know, we can get into a discussion on these things, and just there's a lot of audio there, and connect with me there, write to me. Uh, follow me, you know, what do we say these days? Like me, follow me. And also my book is available everywhere that books are sold. I like to think, hopefully the distributor thinks that way too. But in most stores and definitely online, Barnes and Noble and, uh, Amazon.com. Okay, thank you. So this, you, you were just telling a story about this business and setting this intent. So, just finish that story for us. Right, and just to, to uh, complete on that, so what happens is when you create that intent, which is how it's going, it's not like an affirmation because the very important principle of living from a quantum worldview, of thinking from a quantum worldview, is that there are no absolutes. You know, people may think of the divine or whatever, however you relate to that ultimate mystery as absolute. But for ordinary human beings in everyday life, energy in flux, informed by intelligence, shifting and changing all the time, and we are always connected to it as the observers in our observer-created reality. What we hold in observation, we're always connected. So we're the ones shifting and changing whatever is happening, how we're seeing things. I like to say it simply, what we bring is what we get. So when you realize that there are no absolutes, then a thought you have is not the truth. 
you know, we think, oh, my boyfriend doesn't listen. I was speaking at a University of Miami last night. My boyfriend doesn't listen. And we have that as a conclusion, or in this example, we're going into a, a client, and we have that as a conclusion. We have to recognize that our thoughts are not the truth, because bottom line of quantum reality, there is no absolute way that it is. Therefore, that's the good news. That means we can shape it with our intent. Now, it doesn't, it's not, it's, I like to say it this way. It's no more the absolute truth, the truth in quotes, that my boyfriend is a wonderful listener or my boyfriend is not a good listener. The idea is reality is context dependent. That's the observer effect. What we bring is what we get. We get to choose the context that we're going to live from. So would we rather live from the, and, and therefore we're activating that field because I'm saying there are no, there's no absolute way that another person is, but I'm going to live from that my boyfriend is a great listener and let's see what shows up. And you allow for the intelligence of the field to make the connections for you. So it's a very important realization, Peter, because, you know, we have this thing, affirmations. Okay, that's good. Or think, people think this is positive thinking. This is the difference. Quantum thinking is not positive thinking. Positive thinking, as my husband would say, is like putting, you know, jam on top of a peanut butter sandwich and pretending the peanut butter is not there. Positive thinking is you're holding in your vibrational field a conclusion that you believe is the truth, that you don't like, and now you're trying to cover it up or push it, right, the old world, push and pull on the circumstances to get something to happen. Push it with, you know, writing it a thousand times or speaking it, you know, 21 days in a row or whatever it is. I'm not saying, I'm not saying this to put that down in any way because I'm sure that's helpful. What I am saying is we can begin to live quantum leap style. We don't have to, you know, try to repeat something a thousand times to get something to happen. As long as we're in the awakened state of realization that there is no absolute way that a situation is, a person is, that we are, and therefore we can literally choose how we want to be related to that circumstance. Now, I just wanted to, to, to move on a little bit here and talk a little bit about getting this real clarity of connection. Um, and in the book, you talk about going to zero point. Um, just talk a little bit about that. Well, zero point state is essential. Uh, you know, in science, I, and I make a distinction because I'm not a scientist, you know, as a, a somewhat of a scientist, right? that the zero-point zero energy is the scientific term for the, sta the state at which energy comes to a rest, but it never really comes to a rest. Did I say that correctly, Peter? You did, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Which is the, called absolute zero. 
So when you, again, when you map this on to thinking and our own mind, and you can say when, you know, what is, I guess, the goal of meditation in a sense, you could say, to be able to uh, have your mind, you know, the beta activity, all that chatter, 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 you know, Lee Saxon pathway type stuff, uh, thoughts that visit, come to a rest. So we could say that's the zero-point state. Now, what is the zero-point state? Is that unified field of consciousness where we are, I could say, light, you know, we are that field of light. So why this is so important, because that is where we have the clearest connection. So to say it this way, that is where there is no static on the radio of our being. So if what we're doing is we're saying in the what's known as the non-local mind. You know, mind is not, does not have a spatial temporal aspect to it. So, therefore, it, that's why they call it non-local, non-local. It's not located in space and time. Therefore, mind can go anywhere in space, you know, anywhere. And I say it doesn't really go anywhere. It's really about connectivity. It's like the Internet. You're not, it's not going It's not actually moving, even though we think of it as going somewhere. It's connecting in. What intelligence do we want to connect into? So in the zero-point state, that's the state where we know ourselves as aspects of divine, as divine intelligence coming through us, infinite intelligence, as connected to that intelligent field of awareness. Now, what I feel is important, Peter, is that we live in that state. So I like to think of quantum thinking as a walking, talking, living meditation. Because when we talk about, you know, and I'd like to hear even what you think about this, uh, when we talk about ascension, you know, going to the higher dimension, uh, awakening consciousness. You know, we use the terminology evolving consciousness. I use taking a leap in consciousness. What are we really talking about? And I think it really is the, con- the knowing are connecting, you know, in some uh, traditions called God-realization, is that we begin living in that state so that we are simultaneously in the God-nature state and in our worldly, who we chose to be in this incarnation so that we could play out what the role we need to play on, you know, the stage of humanity. And really, that's a, that's a great point to break because we're actually coming up to our final break. And I will add a comment when we come back. Good. <laughs> it's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation.
The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. Just a reminder that there's a wonderful opportunity to go on a sacred site tour of southern France, including Paris and Chartres Cathedral, with Finbar Ross and myself, for the fall equinox, beginning on September the 11th and, and going over uh, September 21st, the fall equinox, where we'll be at some of the most sacred sites uh, of the Mag- Mary Magdalene lineage in southern France. Uh, the, there's a lot of interest in this trip, so if you are interested yourself, please contact us through www.celticmysticaljourneys.com or connect with me directly at descendingdove at gmail.com. I'm with me today, Diane Collins, who asked me to answer a question, so I, I will, and, and it's very similar to what you said, Diane, and that is understanding the field of all that is and, and going to zero point where it basically settles down to virtually nothing, but there's still vibrational frequency happening. And then when we individually, as members of the human family, bring all of ourselves down to stillness, there's still that same vibrational frequency residual, which is, in other words, consciousness and the field become the same thing at that level of absoluteness. And so if we can walk through the world, living our physical, daily, mundane life, while being tuned into that zero-point field, then that is indeed what we've come here to do, to become fully realized human beings. And it's the combination of the two that is so important, bringing those field energies into our beingness, into our oneness, into our world every day. Which brings me to my next uh, question, which is a point you've made uh, off, off air, which is about the Great Divide, which I think is an important point to make. So tell us about the Great Divide. Well, what I call the Great Divide, I gave a talk on it once to the Enneagram Association, uh, who... <laughs> is a group who are working to awaken consciousness through the Enneagram. And I chose that topic because this it's, it's something like we hold, as long as we hold that there's an us and a them in any way, and what I say, the Great Divide, the end of the Great Divide, which would be 
the end of all the other divides, to me, is this awakened consciousness. Now, beings of awakened souls, unawakened souls, that's the divide, holding it that way. So the paradox is, now this is the paradox of you create your reality, right, is that if we, as long as we're holding it, as there's the unawakened souls and the awakened souls, we, in effect, are keeping the great divide in place. So that's really the cosmic smile, I call it, because it is, it's uh, incumbent upon us who have this kind of awareness that we are working on ourselves to begin holding everyone as awakening souls, everyone, not just, you know, some of us, or not just what, you know, I refer to in my book as the spiritual elite that we've always, we've known throughout the ages. It's always been the group of, you know, masters, which we now say ascended masters, who come to the earth, you know, Buddha and all the other, all the other ones we speak of, and admire. Now it's time for us to be that, but to hold that everyone, the, you know, and this is where the practice comes in, Peter, because if you're reading the news on the Internet, if you're listening to it on TV, if you're seeing a political candidate whom you don't agree with, what if we could start holding that person, that, that's where you catch yourself in the least action pathway of your own judgment. And this is where, going back to the very beginning of the show, where I said what got me into this is noticing the discrepancy. So it's not like the judgment isn't going to come. We have judgments because they're automatic, they're there, they're vestiges of, I like to say, the old world view, and it just visits. But we don't have to hold them. We don't have to hang on to them. We don't have to believe them. And we can start just as a new context to live from. Not even like it's the absolute truth, unquote, but just as a context to hold that everyone on this planet is awakening and catch ourselves and be able to laugh at ourselves when we find ourselves in a reactive mode, otherwise, making the judgment. It doesn't mean we don't hold people to account for their actions, but we really do have to think about it in a new way, and that's really the idea of, of quantum thinking. Is so to crossing the divide that. actually is the critical piece for peace on Earth, is it not? Absolutely. We, because we're creating, you know, it's like I say, I wrote an article once called Reality at Your Convenience, right? It's like we're creating reality until we come across a circumstance that we don't like, and then all of a sudden, no, they really are that way, and they're terrible, and why are they like this? And so it isn't that these circumstances aren't valid. It's that as long as we hold it in place with that judgment we are we are the the perpetrators of the continuance of the great divide and it's just as easy 
for us, as simple, I should say, I don't know, easy, but it is easy, for us to start holding that we are awakening. Now, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, December 21st, 2012, where, you know, it's like all of a sudden on this date, well, as you know, knowing something about uh, astrology, that cycles of and patterns of energy, they don't happen that way. It's not like one day everything flips. <laughs> it's that it's now. We're the co-creators. It's now. It's not like we're going to have this leap. That's another, uh, you know, conditioning of the old world view. It's thinking of it as we're going to have a leap. It's important that we are having the leap, that we hold it that way, that we live from that context. The leap is now, not something so, Diane, that's going. We've actually, we've actually come to the end of our time, but it's a good way to finish up. The leap is now. It really is. And we are in that, in that preparation phase for sure. I really appreciate your time today, and, and it's a fantastic book. I urge our listeners to take a look at it, Do You Quantum Think? Diane Collins, thank you so much for joining me today, Diane. Thank you so much, Peter. It's been a pleasure. And you can contact Diane through www.diane2nscollins2ls.com. Next week, my guest is Maz Sajadi, who had two near-death experiences, and he will be telling us the outcome of those experiences, which led him to become a very gifted healer today. That is Maz Sajadi next week. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.